it's very validating that our goof ass cutie pie selves um bring with the charms enough that people like it enough it's the thing i think it's why you and i both <laughs> never really prioritized doing the minisodes because we thought well no one gives a shit about that stuff no one wants, <laughs> wants more. to listen to us <laughs> yeah so we never considered that it was actually a worthwhile endeavor and i was like oh people want stuff we should give them the stuff they I just want to hang out with us when we realize that the product we make is the show it's like oh then yeah it does make sense to make right more of that product for them exactly People just want to witness our friendship, <laughs> which witness away. And on that note, welcome <laughs> to Super Duper Stitches, the, the podcast paranormal name, podcast about the science of the strange, whose name is one word. Don't let the, the logo fool you. It may be broken apart for graphic design reasons, but it is one word. A singular word. Dishes, stupor duper. <laughs> I'm Jake. And I'm Wyatt. And, and we're, we're, I have to stop myself. I do this every week. <laughs> well, we are back. We are back again with another episode. If you're hearing this, <laughs> means the episode's on. <laughs> and this week, again, you guys have done our homework for us. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. We're doing a listener episode. Another listener episode, Dealy. We were going, to, we, we teased that this was a possibility for this week if we got enough listeners. And then two days ago, I was like, ah, damn, we don't have enough listeners. And then in the, at the 11th hour, we got another star. I was like, oh, I guess we could do enough. So then I put out the call for even more if we wanted to just like fill it up a little more. And uh, three people, two people followed up with that. But it's fine. We have enough anyway. So you guys are all in this one. Any subsequent ones will end up in the next one. And anyone tuning in for the first time, we do these occasionally. Normally, we're tackling a topic. Want to finish chewing first? Yeah, I do. Generally, this is a podcast where we talk about spooky things from a scientific perspective, and every once in a while, you guys send in your own stories that we uh, will analyze if you want us to, or just share. And I think today we'll do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Should I launch into an update? Yes, update me, please. I just want to say, congrats, everyone. Honestly, did not think we'd get here, but we officially made it to 70-something patrons, <laughs> which is... Truly a fun and delightful accomplishment. One we were uh, hoping for, I mean, I would say even more than getting to 100 patrons. It would have been cool to get to 100, but it was very, very cool to get to the upper 70s, mid to upper 70s. Mid to upper 70s. Honestly, it's kind of like a lifespan, the way <laughs> the way I look at patron count, which is everyone wants to live to like 100. Everyone's living like 1,000 <laughs> at $25 a year. But... Really, after like 70-something, you just start to, you know, you fall apart. Your friends die. <laughs> the sad thing is, this means we failed to achieve the Get to 100 Tulip Glass Challenge that for the month true. of August. Um, sorry to report that. But it also does mean that everyone who's still a patron by September 3rd is getting that crystal baby. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you're still getting the glasses, everyone who is a true fan <laughs> and uh yeah we will be still doing the same deal we said before where the first 100 people to show up will get one in the mail right away but we're adding a new little uh, little twist to it if you've actually if you visited our patreon page recently you'll see the text is already in there if you subscribe at any tier for a year after that year you will get one in their glasses it's your crystal anniversary we'll try to think of something for 
10 year patrons <laughs> probably be like a beer koozie or something and yeah so that's that thanks everyone who jumped aboard selfishly and greedily we really appreciate it <laughs> everyone else who's been here from those early days i mean go listen to another show what are you even doing here anymore <laughs> Um, and yeah, very excited to have y'all. No, thank you so much. Looking for more of that Patreon stuff towards the end of the episode, but uh, now I think it's time we jump into these listener stories we got from all yous. Yep. Uh, Jake, before we start reading, I have a bit of bad news, additional bad news to go with the oh, last bad news, Okay. which turned out to be good news, and this will maybe turn out to be good news too, but it's those, uh, those GD directors... At Four Phantoms Incorporated, which I have also been updated recently, is now a lowly, sniveling flesh cog in the endlessly writhing Four Phantoms intergalactic microbrewery family of Four Phantoms. <laughs> How is that even a thing? <laughs> Any, anyway, they're very upset with what we've been saying. Uh, evidently, the soft open of the tavern must be delayed. Hmm. So anyone out there who had their tavern booties on, had their membership card in hand... It's actually a physical card. TBD. TBD until further notice. TBD stands for... To be dose tamp Tamp beer down. <laughs> to be what? <laughs> dosed boned, I think is what I said. Dosed boned. <laughs> yes. I think uh, it's evidence that Four Phantoms is really operating out of budget here. They had to chop the stem of the pee off. <laughs> No one understands what we're talking about. Anyway, <laughs> everyone, just keep drinking Four Phantoms at home. We'll let you know as soon as we know when those uh, creaky doors uh, rattle open, revealing the terrifying innards of what can only be described as a brew pub. Um, and in that spirit, we simply must carry on. Four Phantoms, the only brewery to successfully combine the full powers of heavy metal Dungeons and & Dragons and beer to make amazing beer. Um, if you're around Western Mass, you could even meet these bad boy in person <laughs> as he will be pouring beer at beautiful Pine Hill Orchards this weekend. Excuse <gasps> me, this episode comes out this week on Saturday. I will hurry. Don't worry. <laughs> September 4th from 11 to 4 p.m. <laughs> 11 a.m. specifically <laughs> with live music and live food. From Pine Hills Food Truck. You have to kill the food um, before you can eat it. That's right. And I'm interested to hear what a food truck does for live music, but hey, you know what? <laughs> and as has been previously stressed in emails from corporate, and I quote, the best decision anyone can make right now is to buy a Four Phantoms Taproom membership. There's literally no other decision to make whatsoever. <laughs> if you're thinking about dinner right now, stop. Nope. Thinking about some sort of life-altering thing? Stop. Mm. Unless it's the alteration of your life towards purchasing a taproom membership. Mm -hmm. 100 bucks gets you stuff. Super fun. And also, you can uh, you can buy Four Phantoms anywhere in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, where beer is sold. So, drink that out. And uh, I have a, a little bit of news myself, after all this random news we have. My goodness. And that is, uh, you know, if you go on to Untapped, uh, we have a link in our episode descriptions every week to take you to the Four Phantoms Untapped page. You can leave a review. Even if you haven't had the beer yet, you can leave a nice, positive five-star review or five little weird circly thingy review. It don't cost you nothing. Yeah. 
and that helps them out a lot with visibility and stuff. And if you mention us in your review, we will read that review on the show. Uh, oh, yeah. Most recently, we had one from, I guess, the Phantom of the Chicago himself. Oh. The fifth Phantom, I believe you said. <laughs> and uh, wow. I did not pick up on the fact that there is a little more to his profile thing than I, I, I don't know enough about the functionality of uh, Untapped, admittedly, to realize <laughs> this. There are, um, you can create wish lists of beers and from different breweries around the world you want to try. Oh, my. You can name those lists. The Phantom named a list Hunt. And on that list is Midnight Call, a beer from Firekiller Brewery. Whoa. A beer called Jake from Bira Belasi in uh, oh New Zealand. Oh, God. A beer called Wyatt from Western Collective. <laughs> and, of course, a beer called Super Duper from Powell Brewery. <laughs> All of these things are on the list of Hunt <laughs> from the Phantom. I think we should be worried. This is um, rather shocking news for me, if I'm honest. I wonder if the Phantom only understands how to articulate its appetites through primal and somewhat violent sounding uh, words. So maybe hunt for it means, you know, hobbies or interests. If that's the case, then maybe it means he's just looking to hang out. With Sean Wayne? Unless it's hobbies and interests are just killing. Yeah, I mean, the word beware does kind of suggest something more negative, but... <laughs> I am uh, on the edge of my seat. I, I look forward to hearing how this develops. Maybe I don't look forward to hearing how it develops. Depending on how it develops. A lot remains in the air. Ideally, not the fourth Phantom. The fifth Phantom. Um, if you are... If, if this is your first episode you're listening to and you are still listening... First of all, wow. Second of all, uh, there is a tab on our website called Field Reports that would make some of this part make a little more sense. And um, uh, yeah, thanks for Phantoms. Thank you, guys. Um, okay, now we can launch in. So first up is a story from Bobby Y of Portland, Oregon. So what I have for you guys is really more of a history of three separate things as I learned it all. Hmm. Some from more reliable sources than others, but all of it informed but all of it informed the things that happened to me. Priming. The first is the Grand Opera House, an old theater built in the late 1800s. It was a popular place for tur- uh, touring shows of the time to perform. As it began to age and live shows were not as in style uh, as in style, it transitioned into a movie theater in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. It was remodeled and turned back into a live performance theater in the late 90s and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I had been a part of a fair number of plays, mostly during, uh, mostly doing lights, sound, or backstage type of things. Funny side note, the one play I acted in, I was cast as a young child who was killed during a strike of an old windmill. I was the only person in the crew small enough, and they had to convince me to do it because I'm a horrible actor, and had uh, but had no lines. I just fell over <laughs> crying laughing. Now, if you fell over crying laughing, I would not believe that you were getting killed. Um, Crying laughing emoji, I should have said. (laughs) I just fell over crying laughing emoji. The first play I helped with, we were told of an old manager of the building named Percy and his dog. That's a long name. I don't know the time frame of when he passed passed away, but it is said that Percy and his dog... (laughs) Still walking the halls, checking out the lights and standing in the balcony, watching rehearsals with a smile. 
Now, presumably his dog wasn't smiling, but that's okay. We were told that he was happy that the opera house, that the opera house was being used for its intended purpose again. How do we know that? No idea. Of course, after hearing of this, every time I was there doing something for a show, it would feel like someone was watching me, or I would see something out of the corner of my eye moving. Mm -hmm. And given that I was doing things with the lights or sound, I would be by myself in an area frequently. Prime headspace to have things happen, no doubt. There is one thing I still remember vividly. I had been down in the orchestra pit uh, area running mic cables and then went upstairs to the stage area to finish feeding the cables to the soundboard. I didn't notice at first, but it was really quiet. And when I finished, I looked out over the audience area and saw no one there or backstage. Mm -hmm. There should have been at least a few people. I started to get the chills. I looked up to see if there was anyone in the balcony and again, no one. As I'm scanning the room, I saw a face in the lattice work on the walls where the organ pipes had once been. So it was the ghost of the organ. Persiana's dog. This face was looking straight at me, slowly shifting as if it was right in front of the wall. Now my memory is that it was my memory is that I was looking at it for about thirty seconds or more, but it was probably much shorter. I felt a tap on my shoulder, and I absolutely screamed and started to run. I only got a few feet before my friend started to say, It's just me, and apologized for scaring me. We had a good laugh about it later at how scared I was. The strange thing is that I didn't hear my friend walking up, and I definitely should have since they had tap shoes on. <laughs> the room had, they, they weren't wearing it for any other reason than they enjoy them. Um, just kidding. The room had no one else in it, and it was super quiet. The best guess I have is that I was super primed by the fact that I, that I didn't see anyone in this fairly large open space. I was hyper-focused on the face I was looking at, he puts it in quotes, and didn't hear anything around me, like my friend coming up behind me. Mm-hmm. Then there was the basement. It had the dressing rooms and was just creepy feeling all around. Never a bad or evil feeling, just off. As you walk down the main hall, if you look at the architecture, you realize that the hallway stops abruptly as if it should continue, but it was walled off. More on this later. Ooh, a cliffhanger for the first story. That's a nice one. Um, yeah, spooky. Spooky spaces are spooky. Spooky stories are spooky. <laughs> Definitely uh, can imagine being in your shoes, maybe even in the tap shoes, and uh, similarly feeling creeped out. Being in an empty theater when most of the lights are out is a surprisingly creepy feeling. When there's not a lot of people around, like it's... You don't think about how creepy it could be. If you're sitting in the house watching a show or something, it's like, oh, this is neat and cozy. When everyone's gone and most lights are out, it's pretty awful. Yeah. Especially if you have, uh, they call it uh, aptly, a ghost light just sitting in the middle of the stage when none of the actual like lights are on anywhere else. And it is really fucking eerie. <laughs> um, and then as far as like if you're working on light stuff, light and sound stuff, uh, as Bobby described doing, that happens often way 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 up above the stage you mm. would be surprised how far above the stage it goes beyond what you can see super high up and uh, like often on the catwalk and uh very alone up there in mm. the dark again so a lot of a lot of places where if anything seemed even slightly off it would just ramp the creeps way up and if you have mm-hmm. some kind of story already told to you to give you a reason to have them creeps oh they're gonna multiply them creeps gonna multiply i mean i am glad that the uh purported haunter of the 
Space seems like a very sweet guy, though. And a dog. And his dog. Of questionable temperament. The dog is just always pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for sharing that first story, Bobby. Look forward to the rest of yours. But first, we got uh, a little something from Lauren P. Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N-P. No last initial. Lauren's middle, <laughs> Lauren's middle initial is, is P. Uh... Start for pneumonia. <laughs> I was recently listening to a way less cool than your own podcast where their argument, quote unquote, proving that sleep paralysis is definitely paranormal was essentially, well, then why do people always see terrifying shadow people and not dinosaurs or something? Which brought me to some interesting thoughts and questions about people's sleep paralysis experiences, including my own. Hmm. I'd be really interested to know if the particular fears people have affect the themes of their sleep paralysis. Despite being in love with Halloween and spooky shit and ghost stories all day long, I don't believe in ghosts and I'm not afraid of them. Home invasion, however, scares the crap out of me. But do you love those things all night long, too? <laughs> when I get sleep paralysis, I am, with rare exception, sleeping on my back and napping. I've had just one episode accompanied by a visual hallucination. Otherwise, it's all been auditory and a feeling of, and a feeling of presence. Sometimes it's totally benign, like hearing someone putting dishes away or taking in uh, or talking in the next room. Other times it's more intense, like hearing gunshots and screaming or hearing someone run up the stairs and pound on the door. Oh my God. Very, very uh, upsetting. Uh, in my current apartment, one of my kitchen windows leads to the back stairwell. Thankfully, none of my neighbors are creepy. I heard the shattering of glass, the fumbling of someone crawling through the window and then footsteps coming toward my room, complete with the crunching and scattering of glass being stepped on and kicked across the floor. Oh, my God. That one really rattled me. I legit thought someone had broken in to murder me. It sounds as though Lauren has a yeah. very active imagination, but like also a very thorough imagination that like I know. is able to fill in all of the proper details for the narrative it's constructing, and it's uh, not very nice to her <laughs> um, dream state. Yeah, for real. I could hear in their hands they have the overdue bill that i owed them <laughs> or something anyway go on my absolute favorite was the time i woke up from a nap only to realize that there was a t-rex in the corner of my bedroom i could huh. sense its movements feel and hear its breath i was like all right i need to stay really still under the covers here and keep my breathing slow so it won't see me and i thought wait this room is too small for a t-rex velociraptor shit i'm fucked wait 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 dinosaurs are extinct <laughs> I swear I'm not trying to spite those other podcast hosts here. Oh, you can if you want. Yeah, that's fine. We don't care. We don't know who they are. We don't even know if we do. We hate them. <laughs> my one visual experience was the only one that... Uh, my one visual experience was the only one that had a paranormal-ish vibe. I saw a dark, shadowy woman in a long gown standing in the doorway of the bedroom. I tried to reach over and tap my boyfriend awake, and then I realized I wasn't actually moving. I was instantly reassured by this because I recognized what, uh, what was going on. Ah, it's just sleep paralysis. Nice. The woman disappeared, and I promptly fell back to sleep. I mean, maybe this one was a real ghost who was pissed she didn't get a reaction, but probably not. <laughs> anyway, I love the show, and I think you guys have nailed your approach where you're funny, plus interested in the spook, plus logical and curious, plus not assholes about people who have weird experiences, plus beer. Have a great day. Oh, Thanks, Lauren. You have an even greater day. I can guarantee Lauren is not a plant. We did not pay her. P does not stand for plant. She's not <laughs> diming to the fact that we paid her to write this. Um, um, that was very fun. And uh, and also very encouraging. I, again, I, I've luckily never experienced sleep paralysis, but uh, it does sound... We've had a couple different listeners 
with their own experiences in sleep paralysis, submitting the notion that if you, if you know that that's happening to you, you can get a whole, whole lot more control over it. Here in the past, I think uh, from Hawaii, talking about how oh my God, if, that was crazy. if you're experiencing something horrible like that, if you start to focus on your breath, that's a thing you can control even if you can't move your limbs and stuff, and that can help you come back out of it. Mm. Things like this, if you're just fully aware of the concept of sleep paralysis and can bring your mind there right away even if something really scary is happening could be a pretty good way to snap out of it as well mm-hmm. all good to know so if any out there something with so. that that might be a solution for you it does sound absolutely terrifying all right oh my goodness this one came in today and it's a surprise wow. it's why it's uncle i think my uncle and my uncle excellent our late friend floyd known to everyone as mother was the grand dame of the local lgbt social scene mother loved top shelf champagne see and she insisted that the that one must use only the best crystal flutes for drinking this elixir mm-hmm. when floyd was dying of cancer a decade or so ago close friends gave him hospice care in their own home on the afternoon of his death we were all gathered there Jim W., the gay cafe-slash-bar owner who had been Floyd's closest friend, contributed a bottle of his favorite champagne so that we could all toast Floyd's spirit. Unfortunately, we only had styrofoam cups. (laughs) We toasted Mother anyway. It's kind of like the, what is it, Sideways, that Paul Giamatti movie? I never saw it. Wine snob, and at the end, I think he ends up drinking out of uh, a paper or styrofoam cup. Oh, nice. There you go. Jim W. tells us that later that evening, as he was sitting watch beside Floyd's body, Floyd's own very grand crystal champagne flute came flying off the bookshelf and crashed to the floor right in front of him. Mm-hmm. One last teasing bit of grand theater from Mother. We love that, man. <laughs> Aw. That is pretty great. Yeah, it's a very sweet story. Thank you, Mike Very and sweet Jim. story indeed. Yeah, thank you guys. Wow. Definitely, if uh, if it works out that after we die, we have the means of fucking with our loved ones, at least for a little while, totally going to do that. Oh my gosh. That will be the most fun ever. <laughs> Although you probably want to knock only a few things off the shelves, because after a while, it's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> get to be too glad that you're dead, and then that's just no fun. <laughs> yeah. Then they get the... To get the sage in there, to get the uh, the water going. Them, them Ghostbusters. Yeah, you get vacuumed up. Get some proton packs. Yeah, proton packs. <laughs> <laughs> but uncanny. That would be very spooky. Mm-hmm. Champagne, champagne flute of all things. And speaking of... Drinking stuff out of things. Drinking stuff out of things. I dare say, might it be time... For... For the... Uh, Quaff, quaff. Welcome to the quaff. The segment we do so often that you yes. should already know what it is. It's a you know it's a podcast where we like to drink beer while we while we record, and so every once in a while we'll talk about the beer in a very formal and official and this way we judge these beers based on three well-known standards categories qualifiers attributes and that is their physicality 
What does the beer look like? How is it? Is it a can? Has the body of the beer itself? What is it? What is it? It's Chugability. How fast did you drink this beer? And, of course, So, let's get into it. For starters, what are we drinking? We've got to be beer by Black Stack Brewing. What's it called, Wyatt? Are you there, God? It's me, Plum. Uh, which is a beer with plum and vanilla. There you go. The can is extremely yellow. Mm-hmm. And it has some kind of graphic on it that, for me, looks like it was rolled in dirt. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, the yellow definitely caught some mind. Plum. Yeah. And the, the <laughs> you know pattern, the yellow plum. The pattern on there certainly does not look like uh, someone with a kind of slightly dirty sneaker um, rubbed like the tread into the side of the can. This yellow. Yeah. Yeah, there's a rather nondescript kind of diamond pattern, but it is so faint and so broken apart, you would think it was accidental. <laughs> and this is joined everywhere by kind of just a light splattering of gray dots. Yes. Which I was going to double check with you that my beard was not just rolled under a truck. If it was, it was rolled on the same truck as mine. Yeah. <laughs> Let's open it up and find out what it looks like inside. Yeah. Ah, uh, much cleaner crack this time. Ooh, that sounds bad. <laughs> Here we go with the pour. Oh, my. Lovely, lovely. Pours a very plummy red. All right, give her a pour on my sail. Pretty much never fails. It sounds gross if I pour a beer. It is truly a delight. <laughs> um, all right, well. That's got a very nice, um, it's super hazy. Hazy. It's a very cloudy raspberry, strawberry color, mm -hmm. I would say. Fun amount of head, which is. everybody likes, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think physicality overall, given this beer... Between the can, which, man, what's this? What do we? We mustn't talk about the can. And the beer itself, this bad boy's getting uh two. I was going to give it like maybe a four. Slabber got to a three. Mm -hmm. That'll do it. Great. Now, well, the important part, or the second most important part, of course, <laughs> the truck ability. Give it a try. Let's, let's put her in the old face. <laughs> Woo! That is a, a tart a burr. God dang. But I like the, it hits you with the, the kind of lactose and vanilla at the end, though. It yes. smooths it out some. It is so tart. And then, wait, I gotta take another. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Imagine drinking liquefied warheads. <laughs> that is essentially what this is. Luckily, not quite that sweet though. It's got the it's got the sourness. It's true. It has that edge. It has it's a, it's an adult warhead, basically, <laughs> a warhead for grown-ups. A WMD, if you will. <laughs> a, a weapon of mad adults. <laughs> or Darren's, I guess, because we're dropping all the stems <laughs> off of our peas today. <laughs> I'm gonna give this. A chuggability of zero. I'm gonna give it a three. It's uh, it's quite tasty, but it is. You gotta take your time with this one. 
can't switch it into fifth gear. You got to keep it in second or third. Also, I'm looking back at our uh, previous scores, our spreadsheet that we've been keeping, and we do go into negative numbers with the chuggability score. So, oh yeah, some beers are are sippers. That's right. I think the lowest rating we've ever given was a negative nine to Sap Squash, but that is a barley mm. wine that knocked us Ooh. the fuck over. There you go. Yes, it's important for anyone out there, if this is your first time in the uh, quaffery, to know that a negative score is not necessarily bad. Unless it's the uh, physicality. Yes. <laughs> in which case, it is a condemnation uh, that is perhaps insurmountable. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, we must jump into the joie de vivre. Jake, what would you say of this beer? Uh, sour tire treads. And this has been... The Quaff. Ah. I missed that bit. (laughs) It's a very fun bit. Once uh, a month, I damn damn say. I I damn say. Jake, what's the next story? The next story is... Uh, get away from the spreadsheet that no one needs. Uh, <laughs> um, this is from Liz C. of Fort Collins, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a story told to me by my two friends when I met up with them shortly after the incident. They were pale and horrified when I got into their car to get high. Gotta love smoking weed in high school. <laughs> At this point, they were still sober. They had been taking a late-night walk around a lake nearby while waiting for me. They saw two black figures in the distance and initially thought they were just two fellow late-night human walkers. The closer they got, Uh-oh. the more doubts they had. They froze, and as the entities approached them, it was clear they were absolutely not human. Whoa. The figures appeared about nine feet tall and were completely black, like absence of light black, hmm. and their heads were large and came to a point at the top. Hmm. Without even discussing it, they both turned around and ran in the opposite direction and found their car. When they had safely arrived at the car, they asked what the other had seen, and it turns out both of them had a nearly identical experience. Hmm. I've never heard of a similar event even on the variety of ghost podcasts I listen to. I would love to hear if someone else has or if you two have any possible explanation. Thanks for reading. Thank you hmm. uh, for submitting, Liz. Mm-hmm. So I looked into this a bit to see what I could find, and unfortunately was not able to find a whole hell of a lot. Um, my first thought hearing the this description of these tall, just totally like jet black figures was Stickmen, which I covered way the hell back in episode 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, dragonfly sounds for kids. <laughs> we were so young then. We were. Problem is, these two figures don't sound two-dimensional from the description. It seems like they're just occupying normal space. They're not these weird, flat, stickly men. Makes me think of those, uh, whatever it's called, the mountain man. <laughs> the watchers? The boogie guy. The boogie guy. The shadow man. Oh, the the hat man. Not the hat man. Oh. Uh, the one in the mist. Shadow. Comes up by oh. and makes a big... Uh, the Umphelia Moore in Scotland? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. The big gray man of Ben McDwee. Uh I was surprised also when I was looking into some of this stuff. I was just looking based on the descriptors, like tall figure, uh, black, all dark, whatever, uh, pointy head. Trying to find something like that. I was surprised to find that some mentions of the Wood Devils of New Hampshire's Coas County, hmm. which we covered in episode 128, involved descriptions pretty similar to these figures, though not quite as dark looking, hmm. usually a little more on the gray side. Hmm. Um Again, not just trying to pull only from stuff we've covered before, but it does sound loosely familiar, like just some of the stuff out there. So I was like, well, let's see if I can find anything. I like it. Mm-hmm. I can't really fully explain the total absence of light look to them. 
my best guess would be that if there's some people or something, whatever they were wearing, managed to shade them enough from any streetlights, whatever, that they just looked altogether dark. Not sure uh, if it's just all shadow. So the, where you'd expect to see some kind of dimension and texture, it just seems to be still darkness. But yeah, that tall and with a pointy head description, I'm really not sure. Mm. Some people are maybe just like walking and wearing something weird. I, I don't mm. know. You know, when, when an identifiable context is not there, our brains get really weirded out even by innocuous stuff. So if you're seeing mm-hmm. something really out of place or something that is strange enough that you aren't able to place it, then it just becomes real, real weird. And mm-hmm. we talked about the possibility of that like balloon in a farm in uh, mm-hmm. Thailand. If it was indeed a, a balloon, if you're not expecting to see something that weird shape and color and with that really odd way of moving, who the hell knows what you're going to think it is? So if right. there was something strange about what some people were wearing or something walking around, I don't know why they'd be so goddamn tall. <laughs> uh, that's, I, I don't I don't have a better explanation, unfortunately. But It does make me think of like a shadow being cast, but yeah. I mean... I feel like they would realize it was a shadow. Yes. So so they don't have a great answer for you, Liz, but uh, for now, I will keep this on my list as something to research further because it sounds really interesting. If there is anything else more specifically actually like it, I want to find that and it would be cool to do a whole segment on it in a future episode. That would be super cool. When I do, you'll be hearing about it. But for now, oh, thank yeah. you very much for submitting that story. Thank you so much, Liz. Oh my gosh, we're back to Bobby. Mm-hmm. He's returned. Story 203. Oh my gosh. Two of three, I should say. Yep. Story 203. <laughs> Story 203. The Bobby Saga. Um, the Grand Opera House was so popular that some fancy hotels were built around the same time close by. One was a hotel named the Beckwith House Hotel. It was built in 1875 on the same location a different hotel had been, which burned down. Mm-hmm. The new hotel had four stories to it. The top two were the hotel, and the bottom two had a drugstore and a dining hall. In 1880, another fire happened at this same location. The story I was told as to how it started was that a younger employee had taken a nap since he had nothing to do until later when he needed to fill all the oil lamps before dark. Mm -hmm. He woke up late, and it had started to get dark He grabbed a lamp and ran into the oil room to get his supplies to fill the lamps around the hotel, and he tripped and started the fire. How do we know he tripped? I'm not sure, since he was supposedly the fire's first victim. The oil room was underneath the staircase where the current coffee shop now has its kitchen. Well, this fire completely gutted the hotel, and the top two stories completely burned, and two people died up there, three in total, including the unfortunate uh, arsonist (laughs) the building was repaired but the owner didn't have the funds to replace the top floors today the second floor has studios for artists and musicians and there's the coffee shop on the first floor Hmm. i worked at the coffee shop in one way or another on and off for almost 10 years and had a studio above it for a period of time as well oh that's very cool Hmm. i would open the shop and be the only one in there and have things wind up in different places than i had put them or the music would turn on or off, lights flickering, that kind of thing. Now, I know it definitely was not that I misplaced something due to not being awake or the fact that I have ADHD. It definitely was not the fact that the building and the electrical is super old, causing the lights to flicker or the music to stop. Nope. Definitely coasts. I was also told that the coasts? studio... I- 
Say what? Did you say coasts? I like to hit my G's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Ran out of my budget for the swoosh to close the C into a G. <laughs> Definitely ghosts. I was also told that the studio I had upstairs was right underneath the room of one of the people who died in the fire. I would hear creaking noises above me like walking, and I would feel a draft when the windows were closed. Mm-hmm. Definitely not the fact that it was an old building that makes noises or that it was not airtight or that local rapscallions would climb the fire escapes to get to the roof. Nope. Ghosts. But really, when I start to think about the stories, how do we know that the room is right above mine? How do we know that he stumbled going into the oil room? The arsonist, that is. I also heard that multiple people had jumped from the windows during the fire and died. Only three deaths were reported, and all from the fire itself, not from jumping. Mm-hmm. I spent lots of time alone in the shop cleaning up at the end of the day, or up in the studio, so plenty of time for lots of things to happen, such that if you put them together, it sounds way more spooky. The coffee shop also had access to the basement of the building, where we kept supplies and had a washer and dryer for towels and such. This basement was not well kept up, but had tons of character. The owner was a bit of a hoarder and had old broken down things there. Old paintings that were super creepy, that seemed like they were watching you, and just a generally fun, spooky feel. One day when I was digging around trying to find something that I was told was down there but couldn't find, I realized that the bookcase I thought went all the way to the end of the wall didn't actually go all the way, and that the room was bigger than I thought. Mm-hmm. Naturally, I explored this area the next chance I had. It wasn't big and was filled with a ton of broken things, but it did have two arches in the stone wall that were bricked up with newer material, newer than the walls. So, Bobby, I think you've called it. It's not all of these reasonable explanations that you offered. It is ghosts. Or ghosts or coasts. Or coasts, as I like to call them now. Space coast, ghost to ghost. (laughs) Spooky building. Very. Creepy history. I like the idea of being so into just exploring a creepy basement because old, old basements oh, yeah. can be very, very creepy. There's absolutely no light access down there at all. So just whatever you have, if it's a flashlight or whatever the hell, it's uh, it's it's very unnerving. And, um, and then the fine creepy paintings and uh, I don't know, very neat. My mind always flashes back to the horrifying red person painting. Oh, God, it was uh, Anguished Man. The Anguished Man. Ugh. My goodness. Terrible. Um, oh, my God. So we have a couple of cliffhangers in these two, first two stories involving, first, a uh, hallway stopping abruptly where it should continue, but be uh, walled off in the opera house, and now uh, some archways that look bricked up with newer material than the walls. What is going so, so on down there? There's some, some stuff going on down there, and, uh, oh, I think I... I think the very next thing is just his last story from me, okay? So, never mind. I thought I, thought I ran to you said there wasn't a cliffhanger immediately. There is uh, just the conclusion right here with his third story. Turns out the hallways in the Grand Opera House and the bricked-up arches in the basement of the coffee shop were actually old tunnels underneath the street of downtown Oshkosh. Bagosh. Bagosh. <laughs> Sorry to everyone in Wisconsin. We have no choice in the matter. The first ones were built between the Grand Opera House and really, the hotels. Really, it's your guess, well. Yeah, really. Uh, so the performers didn't have to walk on the streets above with the common folk and get dirty because the streets had lots of sawdust. Once again, this is how it was told to me. Oshkosh was an old wood mill town. Bagosh. 
over, ta- over time, they expanded the tunnels to reach more businesses. As time passed, the tunnels were not used for that anymore and started to decay and break down. I'm told they were used during prohibition to smuggle booze and people. <laughs> At some point, the city of Oshkosh decided that the tunnels were no longer <laughs> safe to use and decided to fill them in and block off the tunnels. Urban legend is that the tunnels were being used for people who had no homes or that they were lured down there with a promise of food and then blocked up inside the tunnels. Gross. Horrifying, but also not necessarily something I would put past any given town or city to do based on how uh, most most municipalities tend to deal with their unhoused populations. Especially in Wisconsin. (laughs) There's no proof that I know of, of course. Some believe this so much that if you try to brush it off, the response was something along the lines of, then why won't the city let people go down there? They're covering it up. To which I would respond, yeah, definitely wouldn't be the fact that it's extremely dangerous and the streets above now have to hold much more weight with cars and trucks. It definitely must be hiding something. So those are some, uh, some as as Bobby said, kind of uh, just spooky history uh, spooky stories history from, uh, from his experiences. So thank you, Bobby, for sending all those thank in. Thank you. I appreciate your skeptical and astute mind. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it is a cover-up. There are coasts and whatever the other one was about. Mm-hmm. Breaking news, Wyatt. We have one last story submitted way, <laughs> way over two, but just in time for us to still record from My goodness. Rebecca O, uh, who says, when we were growing up, my brother had a room at the back of our house. His window looked over the backyard. He was a super paranoid Horrified. kid. <laughs> that was the whole story. Uh, he was a super paranoid kid and would always talk about seeing these tiny green lights flying around his room at night. He was convinced it was aliens coming for him. But he didn't really believe him and just thought he was seeing some natural light from outside and freaking out about it. Mm. He brought this memory up at a family event recently and talked about how strange it was and how vividly he remembered these lights. It turns out that my stepdad was standing in the backyard behind a tree with a green laser pointer and do this to my brother periodically when <laughs> he was being an asshole, which is pretty often. So no aliens, but I feel like this is a perfect way to take your frustrations out on your kid. That's great. That was an excellent uh, way to end, too. Thank you, Rebecca. Very nice. An after-dinner mint of a tale. Yes. If ever there were one. Uh Thank you very much. Well, hot damn. All these uh, wonderful submissions. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's only one thing I can think of doing. That's uh, to thank our our listeners, specifically the ones that pay us, using uh, this (laughs) machine that we have. You give us money, we give you Ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> so we're gonna boot up the NC AAA device, which is an ancient and horrifying machine computer thing that we plug into our brains, type in the dark ether, to run the program Pander, which of course is the Patron Appreciation Earl Die for Evaluation of Risk. If I'm swinging too fast, too bad. And this will allow us to tap into the dark ether. I said it already. That this will allow us calculates. To, yeah. <laughs> this will allow us to calculates. Calcul- just what our. <laughs> Patrons need to be on the lookout for it. Be it a ghoulie, a beastie, a coast, a creepy, or a crawly, for that matter. Um, and so let's turn it on. Let's turn it on. Oh. <laughs> now we'll plug it in to the backs of our skulls so we can interface with machine properly. Mm-hmm. With machine. There we go. So this time we're focusing on supposed listener and my personal sister, Kayla, Kayla Gadoo. Kayla, watch the fuck out for new episodes of the show. You should tune in. <laughs> yep. Over the course of the past year and a half. Uh, Kek-tung. Kek-tung. 
In West Kalimantan province, particularly among Dayak hinterland, a known mythical animal of a kind of clouded leopard called Kektung, or Remawang. No verb. It translates to listen to the show or be mauled. <laughs> a local leader said that as a child, he often heard a disturbing sound at midnight if he chose to sleep in the shelter of his parents' field. Hmm. Nowadays, he can still hear this certain sound if he visits a village near the jungle. And that, of course, is the sound of not downloading Super Duperstitious each week. <laughs> According to a village elder, the animal resembled a leopard with black skin and a huge body. If Kektung creates a sound, a various sign will be captured by an elder. Uh. Among this sign, fruit in the forest will abundant or otherwise the harvest will fail by plague attack. Which of course means that the fruit that will abundant in the forest, of course, is new episodes of Super Superstitious. <laughs> and this harvest will fail by plague attack, which is the Kektune will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Kayla, for supporting the show monetarily. And we thank you even more to, uh, you know, do what you gotta do to not get mauled by the Kektung. That's right. Namely, keep up with New episodes of your brother's show. Stop not listening. <laughs> Thank you, Caleb, for <laughs> for everything. Uh, if you guys want to hear a, a really great listener story, one of the creepiest oh my gosh. we've ever been told, episode 45, we interview Kayla, and boy, is it cool. It is bone-chilling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, very fun. And thank you, Kayla. This is great. Yes. Um, if you, too, would like your... Oh, actually, unplug it. Turn it off. There we go. Oh, okay. All right. Whew. If you, too, would like your Creature Monster Doodad calculated right here on the show, all you have to do is subscribe to our Patreon at literally any tier. <laughs> For as little as $5 a month, you'll be entered into the Pander algorithm and receive monthly curated outtakes from the show. Mm. And as of right now, you will gain access to our private Discord server. No looking. You can meet other cool listeners, share spooky things, sciencey things, whatever. For just $5 more, you will also get weekly bonus mini-sodes mm -hmm. and exclusive quarterly stickers. Four times a year, you get a new kick-ass sticker that is not available anywhere else in this godforsaken world. <laughs> and every ding-dang week, get even more of the show, mm -hmm. more of us doing this. Yep. But even, even less structure. Yeah. <laughs> Although we actually have quite a bit of structure to it lately, so... Weirdly, it has more structure. <laughs> it's, I think it's because it's shorter. It leaves less room to meander. It's right. We love to we love to wander. But if you want to hear a lot of... Hear about a lot of teenagers turning into blood, that's the place you gotta go. Yeah. I was talking about the Minisode Mini Project. It's now the Minisode Macro Project, a.k.a. <laughs> blood Mist. <laughs> <laughs> Find out more behind the paywall. That's right. Um, above that tier, you can also get a free merch item of your choosing, plus a lifetime 40% discount on anything else in our store. And speaking of physical merch, we mentioned before, didn't get to the 100 patron mark, but we are still going to, uh, you know, we got, we got a neat uptick of, of, of subscriptions this past month, so we're still going to do the glass thing. Yeah, Belgian beer glass, tulip shape, it's cool, you can still get it, so the deal's the same. Only our first 100 patrons will get a glass uh, during this particular first uh, startup giveaway thing. So supplies are still limited, and there's still plenty of reason to act fast. 
only now will be able to actually post pictures on social media and the stuff that smarter people would do to actually give an incentive uh, during a giveaway, <laughs> show you what it is you're actually trying to get. <laughs> and from here on out, if you are still contemplating becoming a patron, uh, if you join up at any tier and you stick around for at least a year, you'll get yourself a glass that way as well. And this counts for anyone who's thinking about doing the 12 months for 10 uh, sign-up special. So if you're feeling like you want some swanky new glassware... And you maybe you find yourself your your patron number 101. You don't make it to the cutoff, but you still want a glass, and you don't want to have to wait a year for it. You can use our, the annual plan thing, sign up for a whole year at once, only pay for uh, 10 months worth of 12. 101 Dell patrons. <laughs> and you'll get a glass right away. So... All that stuff awaits you at patreon.com slash superduperstitious, all one word. <laughs> Check it out. Yes, please. In the meantime, also please consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. It makes us feel good. We got some nice, cool, fun ones recently. We also got that, uh, that missing 17th star from Curtis. Thank you very much. Mm. And, uh, much appreciated. Yes. We also will have some links. If you check the description of this episode, we'll have a link or two to uh, help people suffering from the effects of Hurricane Ida and uh, just the devastation that's brought down to the whole Gulf Coast area and stuff. So check that out. And otherwise, join us next week when our prompt is The Last Vampire or The Man Lizard of the Amazon. Thanks to Cindy Scott, another Mm. dutiful listener who sent in a cryptic newspaper clipping with almost no context, just kind of dropped it on us and then left or just ran away. So thank you, Cindy. Thank you very much. A treat to read. We'll share it with you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.